are the lucky ones? The ones who win the lottery? The ones who are born into a wealthy family? Or the teams that play in the American League Central and want to have a shot to make it to the postseason? You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated, who obviously can't speak, Emmy-nominated television producer, easy for you to say, who has been a baseball podcaster for the last 10 years. And I've been, five of those years, been a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're watching it now, and I know I am, you will see that this is a crossover. Mystery guests, sign in, please. Guardians are on the clock. I'm Justin Ladder from Lockdown Guardians. How you doing, buddy? It's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah, last time we talked, I was all jazzed up about the World Baseball Classic. I got to tell you, my enthusiasm for baseball right now is a little bit lower than it was back in March. I don't okay. know why that could be, though. I, I don't know why it could be either, because you. Well, I could tell you what you should be happy about is that, I mean, look, if I had told you when the World Baseball Classic had that finale of Otani versus Trout and those two played their final meaningful game of the year. And if I had said to you on August 3rd, when we're recording this on August 3rd, it's being dropped on the 4th, on August 3rd, the Cleveland Guardians would be three games under 500. You would assume, and just traded Shivali to that's how you pronounce his name, right? Savali, Aaron yeah, Savali, so yeah. Just traded Savali to the Tampa Bay Rays. You would say, Oh my god, what a disastrous year! What a horrific year! What a wasted year! How many games will we be back? 12, 13 games back. What, what are we talking here? And the answer is two. The answer is two. Two decent games by the Guardians and two bad games by Minnesota, and suddenly the Cleveland Guardians will be in first place or tied for first place in August and yet still have a losing record. Brother, you're having a weird year. <laughs> I don't know if it's weird. Weird is one way to put it. It's disappointing, frustrating. Uh, a good a good friend, a mentor of mine, he used to cover the, the Indians when they were called the Indians for a newspaper. He said, it's always fun to talk about and write about teams that are really good and it's, it's fun to talk about teams when they're really bad because there are a lot of things to poke at and a lot of ways you can kind of dissect why things are going poorly, right, and have fun. The teams that are mediocre in the middle, those are the most frustrating teams. And especially after what happened last year, like everybody expected, you know, growth and the same thing and development's not linear. But, yeah, it's just a, a constant year of spinning in the mud. It's It's – Hard but, to bring fun every day. But spinning in the mud in a division where there's still a, a possibility of hope. You know, I mean, and this is a weird situation. I mean, this is why one of the reasons I'd love to talk to you because, you know, the um, Cleveland, and I'm just going to refer to them as Cleveland because I, I was always a proponent for them changing the name. But that being said, I still constantly call them the wrong name. But so if I call them Cleveland, no one can get on my case. Um, Cleveland is going to be playing the Chicago White Sox. Um, Clevenger is going to be pitching 
Allen's going to be uh, for Chicago. I, get, I, I had to remember, wait, no, he's not with Cleveland anymore. Um, and Allen is pitching for Cleveland right now. Um, you know, you could still have – this is what makes this year so strange. They, they're they kind of in a rebuild. And the the the, the young first baseman they got in the trade with um, – with uh um with Tampa is an excellent young first base prospect. And they didn't trade away Bieber because his injury got in the way. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah but they, they don't trade him away this year because he's you know they, they won't be him through waivers. Um and but there's still look at there's still an outside possibility that they could leapfrog the two games over Minnesota. We remember what happened last year when last year was a log jam between Cleveland, Minnesota, and kind of Chicago. And then Cleveland had one great month and wound up winning the division and getting almost to the ALCS. Um, there's, there's still a, an odd bit of hope. And I think this is a weird year in that, yeah, they could still make the playoffs and rebuild at the same time. This has been the Guardians, Cleveland's MO for a while. So 16, 17, and 18, they were in clear, let's go for it mode. They made yeah. the Andrew Miller trade. They made the Jay Bruce trade. Encarnacion, they, made, they brought in. They yeah. signed Encarnacion. Yeah, that was clear. Let's go for this mode. And since then, they have been in this awkward, you know, should we or should we not? So they never really actually rebuild. They're rebuilding in pieces. So it's like a retool on the fly. It's this really annoying thing we continue to talk about in Cleveland, which is threading the needle. The needle is just so razor thin these days for them. They're trying to avoid, you know, 90 to hundred lost seasons and they're trying to constantly build their roster and develop at the same time and compete. And last year it all came together for them this year. That has not been the case. It's just, it's just this constant threading the needle every single year until they can get back to a 16 or 17, 18 dynamic and they just haven't gotten there since those days. And they continue to make these decisions to move on from pitchers. Like they've done a good job getting out from Corey Kluber before things got really bad. Mike Clevenger has had his moments. I mean, geez, he just shut them down last week at Chicago. Uh, Carlos Carrasco hasn't been the same since he left. They've done a good job of doing that. We'll see what happens there in Savali. And they, they do a good job developing pitching. They just cannot develop an offense and, they don't seem to have the same identity they did a year ago. So they are just constantly playing this game of we're going to be buyers and sellers every year. We're going to be opportunists every year instead of having a shot to go for it at the moment. It's so strange because I, I was at a game. I went to actually a couple of games in 1995 in Cleveland, the year that everything really turned around. Actually, I went, I went to the, I went to the old ballpark, the municipal the Cleveland stadium, uh, the year before they moved out, because uh, my dad and I used to love to see stadiums that we kn- knew this would be our last chance to see a game there. And when we saw them in 95, their offense was so mind-boggling, just so uh, like outrageously deep. And their pitching staff was good. That The one thing that, that is the most annoying about the Cleveland teams of the 90s was in that period of time, Roger Clemens moved twice. Randy Johnson moved twice. Kevin Brown moved twice. David Wells Pedro. moved. You know, Pedro was traded. 
uh, Mike Mucina signed as a free agent. There were all the Kurt Schilling got traded. All these not just good pitchers, but like all-time great pitchers moved, and none of them moved to Ohio. And if one of them, whether, whether people forget how good Kevin Brown was in his peak, Kevin Brown, there's a reason the Dodgers gave him that out of their mind contract it was because he was he was outstanding. Pedro, his stretch he did with the Red Sox was arguably the best stretch of baseball of the second half of the 20th century. We consider it was the steroid era. And Pedro was the they were trying to trade for him. They were trying to pull the trigger on a trade. And if they had pulled that off uh, with that offense, you know, they would have won at least one, mm -hmm. probably two World Series. Now you look at the team where they have outrageous depth in their pitching staff, and no hitting. you would bat seventh. No offense, Justin, but you would bat seventh on that team. And you just – if you had Voltron those two teams, the, the hitting of the 95, 95, 97, 98, you know, that, that, whole, that whole squad – and the pitching they have now, I mean, you would have you would. This would be a rampaging dynasty. And it's just so strange to think that they can't put together a, a hitting team in a stadium which, when they first opened, looked like it was a hitter's paradise. It's. I mean, it's good for left-handed hitters. Right-handed hitters, you know, do lose some power because of that big wall in left field. Yeah, they haven't really produced any hitters. I mean, Jose Ramirez is kind of his own guy. They developed Lindor. Uh, Carl Santana came through the system. He was traded through, but like outside of that, there's not been a whole lot of consistent hitters here that have come from, from within. I mean, even, even in the mid two thousands, only one, one division championship, you still had Grady Sizemore and Johnny Peralta and Victor but, Martinez. Yeah. You had good, good hitters then, yeah. right? Garko and Hafner was on that team. Yeah. Yeah. They were able to do it back then. I'm just glad. I'm glad you said that though, because for years we've been waiting for them to make a trade. They have all this great prospect depth. And waiting for them to go out and cash it in into a, an established major league, or they thought they had Matt Olson at one time. They thought they had Sean Murphy. Those trades haven't panned out. Then this offense would be a lot different if they did. They just haven't been able to complete the trade to consolidate this farm system into a major league hitter they don't have. And that's been the hard part. And they'll go into the offseason again, probably trying to ask the same question if they can do that. Well, they probably did it at the deadline as well. It looks like they're going to be looking for spare parts, which reminds me. You know, Cleveland fans will tell you that for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to know the part will fit. Or guess what? They give you your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at E-Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices guaranteed on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. Bumper happy here at uh, Locked On MLB. Um, let's talk a little bit, though. Um, they're going head-to-head -head with Minnesota. 
And Minnesota has given Cleveland fans a tremendous gift by not running away with it. There have been a couple of times this year when the Twins went on a winning streak and they put a, they put a few games between them and Cleveland. And I really felt like, okay, here, here we go. Here we go. You know, they're going to they're gonna open up like a five or six game lead and that, w- that will be enough. That'll be enough to just cruise on. But they haven't done that. They played losing ball the last 10 games. Only only two games separate the two teams. And the the Twins team, they haven't they didn't make the big huge splashy move either. I thought they were gonna do that. I thought they were gonna make some I thought one of the big names that was gonna be going on, maybe Scherzer, maybe Verlander, because knowing that the Mets were gonna eat a bunch of the money. That, that, you know, they'll say, heck, it's worth trading a few prospects now to all but guarantee a division title. And when you take a look at the way the other teams are in the American League right now, if you have a frontline ace, then you have a shot to go far in the playoffs. So I really thought Minnesota was going to dust themselves off, improve the team, and try to put some distance between them to try to win their first playoff game since 2004 not series, game, but they didn't. They didn't do any major moves, and it's opened up a window of opportunity for Cleveland to have this realistic shot at a division title. Yeah, I think it's going to end up being, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think whoever's playing best the last two weeks of the season might end up just in the the playoffs by default. And, And this team wins the division. Not only are they they going to the playoffs, they're going to host the first round. They're going to host the best of three in a wild card series where anything can happen. Like the twins certainly have enough pitching to where they could win a series. The guardians actually do too. If depends on how their rookies, you know, kind of hang on the rest of the year, they're concerned about their innings count and their pitches and things like that. I mean, you know, pray to the gods that one of Shane Bieber or, or Tristan McKenzie's elbow suddenly feels healthy in September and they have one of them in the playoffs. But if one comes back and they have, you know, Williams or Bybee or Allen pitch and they could win, like they have enough pitching to at least do win a, win a first round game, which is hilarious. I, I really expected the twins to go for it because I think they've got a good farm system and, you know, and everything that happened this offseason with the Carlos Correa debacle, they still signed him. Yeah. You went out and you added Joey Gallo, you added Christian Vasquez, who hasn't been great, but you've got a bunch of guys in this team that you've already paid money to might as well just go for it and, and, See what you can do. I know Joe Ryan's hurt now. He was placed in the injured list with whiplash after yesterday's beating, but I'm surprised they didn't go for it. So now it's kind of like a a two-man potato sack race. Everyone's blindfolded, and whoever trips over the ribbon is going to be the winner. I think that, well, that's, I I love it when people quote Shakespeare like that. But um, it's the thing that, that should make Cleveland fans feel like, wait a minute, just wait a minute. Before we write this season off, Think you, you made the great point that even if they finish 81 and 81 or 82 and 80 or whatever, they'll, because of division play, they will not only be in the, the first wildcard series, they'll host it. And they would have the lowest seed in the wildcard, which right now would be Toronto, who is a good team and they have some good pitchers, but they're flawed. We've seen all year that they're a flawed team, and they can go into deep slumps. It could be the Red Sox, who the Red Sox are, to me, the definition of a mediocre team, and it's coming from a native New Englander. Could it be the Angels? Probably not. 
Could it be the Yankees? Probably not. It's going to be a very flawed team that the AL Central will be playing. And either Minnesota or Cleveland will be in the playoffs. It's not going to be Detroit. It's not going to be Chicago. Despite all the home runs that Bobby Witt Jr. is hitting, it's not going to be Kansas City. And so because Minnesota can pitch, because Cleveland can pitch, and because whoever is coming in on the, second, on the third wildcard position is going to be so intensely flawed, and the other wildcard series is going to be the loser of, of whoever comes up short between Baltimore and Tampa and whoever comes up short between Texas and Houston. So that'll be a barn burner. But the other one's going to be a, a mediocre AL Central team versus a mediocre t- a team that's just limping into the postseason. The Central has a chance to win. <laughs> if the Central if the Central were playing Houston or Tampa or Baltimore or Houston or, or Texas, they would get thumped. They would get thumped before you can say uh, Sal Butera. But because they're going to be playing a mediocre team, they could actually say, we could make it to the division series. What does that say about how the playoffs are set up and how the market is going right now for trades that neither none of these teams went out and made a significant addition? What does that say about the state of Major League Baseball that neither of these teams went out and made any sort of significant deal to have a chance to advance out of the first round? Cleveland and Minnesota were insanely cautious. I'm not saying trade your best player away. I'm not. But I'm saying learn the – and again, little people who listen to my everyday Sully listeners are going to be like, God, he's saying it again. But learn the lesson of the 2021 Atlanta Braves who lost their whole GD outfield, including Ronald Acuna Jr. Did they go out and trade for Mike Trout? No. Did they go out and trade – for you know, Aaron Judge, no. They just made sure there was a major leaguer at every position. And it just so happened, two, three of those major leaguers got hot in the postseason. Peterson was big home runs against Milwaukee. Rosario was the NLCS MVP. Soler was the World Series MVP. Oh, but what? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring that up. But signed him that year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't work out so well. But. They brave said, make sure there's a major leaguer everywhere. That's what they did. And it, and they didn't need 162 great games out of Jorge Soler. They needed him to be a good everyday player. And it just turns out he had a hot week against the Astros the, during the World Series. That's what Cleveland and Minnesota should have done is no matter what position you were talking about, is there a legitimate major leaguer there? Yes. Great. Let's move on. I mean, there's some decent. I mean, like, I, I, I do have to ask the deal with Los Angeles when Cleveland traded away their starting shortstop to LA, and they traded Shivali to Tampa, so they were able to get some young players back. But was this trading for? Help me understand that as a as an outsider, what the hay was going on there, Rosario was mismanaged and you know actively I don't say actively hurting the team but it's it's more of a look down the road I mean Rosario was not a good defensive shortstop he was struggling to hit and was miscast in a role that wasn't good for him as you can see now in LA he's playing second base he's only playing against left-handers so what's he doing he's playing well 
the Guardians have better defensive shortstops. They've got this is this is what I was talking about. All these prospects they have, they've got to figure out what they're doing with the, with shortstop the next couple of years. They were not going to re-sign Rosario. Uh, they needed a warm body, and Noah Syndergaard happens to be a warm body to pitch right now because of their injuries. And you know you're going to hope that Gabriel Arias or Brian Rocchio or Tyler Freeman playing shortstop is a defensive upgrade without being an offensive downgrade, which would be hard to do because Rosario was struggling offensively. So that one made a lot of sense. And I, I will say, I think the Savali trade made sense because of the market. I, I, I continue to look at the Savali trade as a a market-based trade and not a situation-based trade. They did that because pitching was going at a premium on the, on the trading market this year. Savali is a guy who's been hurt constantly throughout his career. His value was never going to be higher. And I don't think Aaron Savali helps the Guardians win a first-round playoff matchup in this division any more than they, than without him. So if they lose him, I don't think they're. I mean, I think I think Zips today had their their projections out for the postseason. It was like the Guardians fell three percent from their previous chances to make the postseason. So if you think you got three percent worse by trading Aaron Savali away at his peak value for a hitter in your organization that could help next year that you don't currently have in the system, it's fine. Uh, situation, it looks bad, but again, I, I think it's a market-based trade. I think it had to do more with the the current market for starting pitching and what what Aaron Savali's value was than their position in the standings. Here's here's why I like the trade for the for the Guardians. I did want to get your take on it because you're 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 better this than than I am. Um, here's why I like it. You're right. Savali's never his value is never going to be higher than it is now. In terms of, you know, you can't go back in time. So, you know, it's not going to be better than it is now. The um, So you don't want to be in a situation where it's like, oh, well, now they're DFAing them. They should have, they should have got something when they had the chance. Um, you, he's not going to be the difference, as fine a pitcher as he is. He's not the difference between winning the, you know, going to the World Series or not going to the World Series. So, you know, that works out fine. Uh, we were just saying, this is a team that needs bats. This is a team that needs hitting. And uh, Kyle uh, Manzardo is a top, you know, went into this year as a top 100 uh, hitting prospect. And he had a spectacular year in 2021 uh, between high A and double A. Uh, he's not been as strong this year in triple A Durham, but he's still, you know, they, they acquired a player who could very well be their starting first baseman for the foreseeable future. And he has another, has a really, a solid quality that I believe is, goes beyond the box score, which is why it's critical that Cleveland acquired him. And that is he's a graduate of Washington State University, as is your friend Sully. And so go Cougs, you got a Washington State University guy. There you go. You need to have a Cougar on your team. Let's go Cougs. Let's bring it home. And and he's just going to wind up hitting the – we're going to look back at this. He's going to be their Jeff Bagwell, their John Smoltz, their player who was stolen at the deadline. We're here with Justin Lotta of Lockdown Guardians. Um, I was just praising my fellow Washington State Cougar, um, Kyle, uh, what's it, Kyle Manzato, right? Is that is that what am I saying? Manzardo, Manzardo. Thank yeah. you. We'll all know it soon. Go Cougs. Um, 
No, I think it's. I think they. I think Cleveland did the smart thing in that in that regard. But I do think both Minnesota and Cleveland should have made. You could have got players who were going to be non-tendered. Players who were just kind of a team being like, oh, at least we got something for them to fill the roster up a little better than they did. Um, that would make them a little stronger. But hey, play three games better than Minnesota and roll your dice against the worst wildcard team in the AL. I mean, it's not it's it's within the realm of possibility. The Guardians finished the year against the Tigers. The Tigers are not good. Nope. They make it better next year. So if it comes down to that last series, it's like a one or two game difference. All you gotta do is sweep the Tigers. You might be able to get in. I don't know. The Guardians do have a very brutal schedule the rest of this month. And I do think that some of the changes in the schedule is playing into this too, because the, let's be honest, the AL Central has been, this is not the first time they've been the JV division of baseball. They continue to be the JV division of baseball. Last year, you know, it was not a great division. The Guardians beat up on the Royals. They beat up on the Tigers. Those two teams are both in like year five of, you know, the rebuilds. They haven't sent the guard. I mean, I know the Royals want to play, want to play off on the World Series in 2015. They've been pretty horrible since. The Tigers have been horrible since 2017. The White Sox made a couple playoff runs and nothing else. And the Twins, as you said, haven't won a playoff series since 2004. So Playoff game. A playoff yeah, game. playoff game. So this is continually baseball's JV division. And the Guardians didn't have 19 games against the White Sox and the Royals and the Tigers to beef up on this year. I think that plays into it as well. I don't know how yeah. good the, twi- I think the Twins, I read somewhere, have the easiest schedule the rest of the way, the guardians probably have the toughest, if not top five. So that's what it's going to come down to. But I'll tell you, th- those are the famous last words. Yeah. The people say and every year, every year we step into the same GD bear trap. Like, Oh, look at that. They got this game against the Rockies. This game is this. That's going to be easy. Oh, easy peasy. Did I mention lemon squeezy? And then inevitably every year there's one team that says, you know what? I'm sick of people circling us on the schedule. If we're supposed to lose, let's play Lucy and Goosey. And every year a lousy team beats a good team down the stretch. And everyone's, oh, no, this has never happened except every year in the history of Major League Baseball. So, like, we served that a few years ago with the Mets. Oh, the Mets have the easiest schedule down the stretch. They got nothing but cream puffs. Oh, it's going to be the easiest way, and look what happens. You know, it, 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 whenever you see that, oh, they got this one. They're a tomato can. It's, this, is, this is money in the bank. This is, that's, oh, that's, a, that's a, a mistake that's done every year. And maybe, just maybe, getting up for a tough team is better than, hey, look, at we got a game against the Rockies. Phone it in, buddies. And then next thing you know, I was going to say C.J. Cron and R- Randall Gritchick, but they've been traded away. Next thing you know, a couple of players whose names I don't know. Doyle, that kid Doyle on Colorado seems to be hitting home runs at will. He winds up hitting a home run. Going, God, I've never even heard of these guys. And then next thing you know, the other team is dancing. You make a good point. I've, this is another thing we've been saying all year. Expectation is the thief of joy. If you go in without expectation, you know, playing, you know, playing against the Rockies or whoever, you know, you're, you're, you know, or you're like you said, you're being circled on the calendar as an easy win and you go out and you play expectation free things go well. This is what happened to the guardians this year. Last year, there was no expectations on them because they were young. They came off a poor year in 2021. They had the youngest roster in the league. They still have the youngest roster in the league, but guess what? Because they won the division a year ago, running away in September, 
Mm-hmm. Expectation was they were going to do it again, and you're doing it again with the youngest ba- roster in baseball, and you're going to do it without your two best pitchers, Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, most of the year. Expectations ruin everything. That's right. But my expectations were sky high today when I looked at my schedule and I saw that Justin Lau was going to be my guest here on the Locked On MLB Locked On Guardians crossover. Justin, give me a prediction before I let you go. Give me your feelings. Good. You do your bold prediction. What do you think is going to happen? The rest of the year, the division. Yeah, I think the Twins will pitch. Will have healthier pitching the rest of the year, and that will allow them to win this two-man bag race. All right. You want you want to hear my bold prediction? Yes. One game playoff. They don't do that anymore. No, oh, really? there's no more game one sixty three. Okay, that's how bold that prediction was. Um, I thought, I thought, I thought, but I no, no, I thought that was the case if it was a division, but the loser would not be a wild card. I think they got rid of game one sixty three altogether. Okay, okay. I, I then I miss. I thought that if there was a division winner, but the loser would not be a wild card team, that they had, still had to play that. Maybe that's true. Okay, if okay, if I that's what I remember. He, I I may have misheard that. Okay, I swear this is not my Colin Cowherd moment of figure fearing something on here because I do I do remember someone saying there one sixty three could still happen if it was between two teams and the loser would not be a wild card team. Okay, uh, but again, I, but I may that that may have that may have been part of the negotiation. I may have that may not have actually been in the final collective bargaining. So okay. Um, then I predict Cleveland will win by 12 games. That's about as bold as a permanent marker. <laughs> I, know. I, actually, I, I, I actually, I actually think, I think Minnesota is going to win. Um, I just, cause I, I, I just think they have, I think they have more depth right now. And I, and, uh, but then again, every time I think they're going to put the, every time I think they're going to pull the right stuff. And put the aft thrusters and, and see where the old demon lives. Uh, that's when I that's when they go on a losing streak, and they've been doing it all year. Um, but no, I'm going to say the Guardians. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, Justin, tell people where they can listen to your show. Lockdown Guardians YouTube and everywhere you get podcasts, we're free, just like your buddy Sully at Lockdown MLB. I'm at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram, as long as Twitter still exists. And I'm your Sully base. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about the wild, weird, strange, underachieving, but winnable with a possible run to the Division Series American League Central. Justin Lott of Lockdown Guardians is here. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan of Lockdown MLB. Please call me Sully. <laughs>